We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Giannis Antetokounmpo. One second. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by the remarkably exquisite Rohan Kadi. I gotta go with two words. I've exhausted all the one words. Rohan, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad the uh, the Bucks let me live another day. We are coming to you after the Bucks did indeed beat the Charlotte Hornets on Tuesday night. And while it was in question for a little bit, and I, I, we, we talked about this on Twitter personally, it's like if they blew that lead, I might not exist as a human being anymore. Like I might actually have a heart attack and perish. So I'm still here. Thank you, Bucks. I'm doing well. Good. 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 It's, uh, I like that the options were died or doing well. <laughs> That does seem like the post twenty twenty states of being. It's, it's hey, one every or the day. Other. Every day is a good day if I'm here. Exactly. It's I say the same thing. Every every day I record with you is a good day for me. Let's get into it. We have a fun podcast conceit today. I think we're going to rile some feathers. That pretty much always happens. So I guess it's not really a special demarcation. But we are going to go through the Bucks roster and determine how much we trust each member of the Milwaukee Bucks. I wanted to include about seven or eight tiers of trust after our look at seating scenarios and we raided opponents in the East. Rohan refused to let me do this, so we just have four tiers of trust. This is Otherwise, like, we would have 17 tiers, one yeah, for you, each player. You would have, you would have like six. And I would have 17, uh, and it'd be very specific. You know, let me let me know on Twitter. Let both of us know, and the pod, at Ty Windish, at Arcadi Jr., at Eurostep Podcast. Boom. If you want all 17 of my tiers. If a couple of people want them, I'll tweet all 17 tiers. But for now, these are our tiers. Trust with the ball at the end of the game, the ball in their hands. That's an important distinction. The ball in their hands like playmaking with the ball is our conceit doing things with the ball, not just shooting an open look. That's a different thing. So 
Trust handling the ball. That's a better way to put it at the end of the game. Trust to play starter minutes well slash potentially close games. Those are same tier as well. Again, you can see how my brain would have had so many tiers just through these first two. Trust to be a role player. Don't trust at all. So some things up top just to preface before we get aggregated. This is not a ranking of who are the best players on the Bucks roster or who should play the most even necessarily. It's just literally how much do we trust these players to do these things? Yes, exactly. We are not ranking players. That's something we might do in the offseason. I feel like I'm just speaking this into existence now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is just a rating of do we, do we, you and me, Ty, personally, have any faith in what these players are going to do in situations where the game truly matters? I think this is a good time to do this podcast because before this Hornets game, as you mentioned, that almost took you out, the Bucks, I think, were one in four in games that went into clutch time in April. The Bucks broadcast before the game featured they had a net rating of like negative 58 or something in those games, which, to be fair, is not very instructive. I mean, net rating is per 100 possessions. We're talking about you know, probably way less than 100 possessions total. So one bad game means you have a crazy bad net rating if you're just talking about the clutch. But I digress. The Bucks, you know, we need to figure out who can be trusted because clearly not everybody can be trusted based on some of these blown leads. Let's get into it and start right at the top. Oh, I want to start at the bottom. Oh, you want to start at the bottom? Work. Yeah. Oh. Let's work our way up. Okay. All right. Let's uh, should we let's go. Least to most surprising in each tier? Okay, let's go least surprising. Let me go. I added another tier without telling you. It's called Get Off the Team, and it's just Rodion Cruz. Oh, yeah, he wasn't even on my list. Yeah, he wasn't on my list. Okay, Okay, so that tier is done. Get Off My Team, Rodion Cruz. Okay, don't trust at all. Number one, freshly minted uh, signing Justin Jackson. Yeah, Uh, seems like a good guy. Does he exist? No one knows. I mean, he does exist. But yeah, like, but the, the Bucks account has shown him. That is my new level of, of existence. If the Bucks account does not picture the player, they don't exist. They have pictured Justin Jackson. Okay, so Justin Jackson, Axel Tupan, just, you know, two ways. It, we literally haven't seen Justin Jackson play for the Bucks. Axel Tupan has played and just done nothing. So I still don't even know what he does on a basketball court, if I'm being completely honest. So those two, not surprising at all. Please tell me they're in your tier. Yeah, they are. Okay. Um, I feel bad for Tupong because now that Thanasis is kind of out of the rotation because PJ and Portis and Giannis and Lopez are all healthy, now Thanasis has become the end-of-quarters energy defense guy. What's left for Axel? That was his whole thing. That was all he did. I don't know what Axel's going to do. I don't know why they signed him. I think like just literally as for meme potential for the – you know, 14 of us sickos who have been posting about the Bucks since his first Bucks stint. I don't know, but yeah, no, they're in the don't trust. I will say Justin Jackson, just a much better player than Axel Tupon, I think. But that said, like he's a real rotational player who's played this year, real minutes, but I don't trust him like on the floor in a big game is what I mean by don't trust him at all. Yes, for sure. And though this might come at the... uh yeah, At the is, ire of some Bucks fans, Sam Merrow, Jordan Wara. And let's just put Diakite in. Let's just the kids. Yeah, Diakite the rookies. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the you know, we've seen some flashes. I think if I was rating them, probably 
the order they were drafted, with Diakite being last. I think Wara, Merrill, Diakite is probably how I would rank them most to least trustworthy, which is funny because I trust Wara the least by far on defense, but his offense is just so spectacular. I trust him to be out there a little bit more, but I still don't trust him enough to trust him. It's still negative trust. It's just less negative trust. Yes, for sure. I might sw- I might swap Diakite and Merrill in there. We've seen some. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. Both of them look lost in actual NBA offense and defense at points. It's just like, again, we still think they're valuable pieces. We still think they have shown flashes and they can be great pieces going forward, just not this year. I think Jordan War is what I was getting at when I said, like, oh, this is going to draw the ire of some Bucks fans. Oh. No, he should not be playing over Pat Connaughton. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Pat Connaughton isn't even playing as much as he used to anymore. It's no. I'm sorry, but no. Not there yet. Need, need some help on defense. I will say Bucks Summer League 2021 is going to be fire. Oh, it's going to be absolutely incredible. I'm so excited for Summer League again. We might be there. Stay we tuned. We might. Stay tuned on that. Um, Blue Wire, baby. Um, okay, so I have two more players in my don't trust at all team. I have one. This one's going to hurt you. I have Thanasis in here. I do not. I it's, When I looked at don't trust at all, I was thinking, like, not – like, I trust Thanasis in his role, but I look at his role as pretty narrow. And my thinking in doing these lists was, like, big games trust. Like, am I upset if Thanasis plays 20 minutes in a game a couple guys are out? Absolutely not. That's fine. In a real playoff game, outside of, like, his 30 seconds at the end of a quarter, I'm just not interested because I still think the offense is a little too limited. Let's, We've seen yeah. – We've seen some moves to the basket. There's still just no shooting. Let's yeah. Let, let's 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 get back to this in a little bit. Let's talk about the guy we both also have in okay. the don't trust at all category. Dante DiVincenzo. He's there. He's there. He had a rough list. week on the Eurostep. <laughs> he's, he's had an absolute stinker of a week in terms of not only just like you know on court production, but just like the way that we perceive him here. I, I mentioned this on the last episode. Um, check that out if you haven't listened to that already. No, it was a, it was a it was a rant uh, after the Hawks loss um, live yeah. on locker room. By the way, it's just a couple uh, days ago now. Just on we we record so often. Our last episode is like feels like half an hour ago. Still plenty to take in there. It's not too old yet. Go check it out if you haven't. But yeah, go on, Rohan. For sure. So, like I said, I mentioned this on the lap, last episode. I have no idea what we're going to get from Dante going into a game. Zero idea whatsoever. We could get a game where he's force-fed the ball or just takes the ball for himself and starts running an offense uh, or tries to run an offense. We can see him, you know, play reserved and within himself. We can see him sort of be quiet a little bit, play good defense, make right hustle plays, try to get to the rim and try to pass out instead of taking a weird layup that might, you know, like hit the other backboard like on the opposite end of the court. You know, you never know what's going to happen on a Dante layup attempt. You just, there's no, there's no real way of knowing which Dante you're going to get when he sees the floor, which does not, you, you, you can't trust that. You cannot trust his consistency whatsoever, even though there's a potential for it to be a big positive on any given night. You just don't know that you're going to get that on said given night. So you just, I don't know. I can't trust it. And I he's feel like by, you feel the same way. Yeah, he's by far the best overall player in the tier. And you could argue he might a better overall player, at least his high end, 
than everyone in the next tier. Like the talent sure. is there. Like the the flashes, at least of the talent, are there. But it's exactly like you said. I don't want to belabor the point too much because we have gone in on Dante lately. But I think it is just something that that's I think gaining ground around the fan base a little bit is like is this guy a consistent enough player to be the fifth starter and you know potential closing member member of the closing five as well on a championship caliber team. And the answer I think more and more people are coming up with is no, just because the consistency is not there. And that's that's trust. And I mean, if you wanna, you know, go back and look at the blown Corkmaz defense against Philly that, you know, could have cost the Bucks that game but didn't. You know, the going for a steal on Gallo in the Hawks game and giving up a wide open three that contributed to actually I think it was a miss, but it was still again, one of those plays that Horrible process, solid enough results. Um, a bunch of, I mean, in this this uh, Charlotte game, he goes to save a ball going out of bounds and throws it straight up, and it results in a five on three Hornets fast break. Like, there's just so somehow much. Somehow, Chris takes a charge on, which is beautiful. Chris saved him. That was a beautiful play by Chris Middleton on the end of that. We're seeing some more grit from Chris lately. I like to see that. But we'll get to um, him. We'll get to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will get to him. We'll get to every player on the roster. But. Um, it's just so much night-to-night volatility that we just cannot – you can't trust him right now. He had, he just has not been trustworthy since – man, what was that, like three weeks in? He had the, the greatest three-week stretch to start the season. Yeah. And ever since – probably, I want to say around that Philly game, was probably around when that's down – I could be wrong. It might have been later. It, it, I think it might have been earlier. It all blurs together for me after – over time. But – um. Yeah, I just it's all this to say we don't trust. I said I wouldn't believe it the point, and I talked for another hour, but we don't trust Dante right now. I think it feels like a hot take. I think people will see just the tiers and that he's in essentially the bottom tier and be mad. But it's it's about trust, and if you can truly trust Dante Divincenzo right now, look into your heart. You probably you just like him? wake up every day and put your life savings on a new crypto, and I, I don't know. You you make some bold decisions. And Dogecoin is either going to fund a private island for you, or it's not going to be good. Shouts to shouts to Davey Lillard in that guy's house. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm it. talking about? No. So, uh, so a quick aside. Someone replied to a Damian Lillard tweet saying, "Man, you guys better win 42 games or I'm losing my house." And then he said, uh, "Don't worry about it." He quote tweeted that they lost five straight games. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Why would you quote tweet? Oh man, that's a bold quote tweet. Dame's a bold guy. Um, okay, did you want to circle back to Thanasis? Yeah. So Thanasis is the first player in my role player. Uh, yeah. Tier. So here's the thing. This is what really differentiates him from Dante, right? Because obviously I have them in separate tiers, and I should have a reason why. And here it is. Thanasis plays within himself. Unless it's like an end of the shot clock heave, which you can do whatever you want. Uh, hey, at least I'll say this. He takes the shot. He doesn't just like uh, whiff and just not not take it to save field goal percentage or anything. He, he takes shouldn't have taken the, the first end of first quarter three, I think it was, whichever one it was. He took one with like eight seconds left. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, but, but I digress. Go ahead. He does play within himself, and you know on a night-to-night basis that you are getting – Energy, you're getting defense, and you're getting someone who every single possession is going out there and trying to make the right play. You know that going in. 
Yeah. You, especially on the defensive end. You know what you're going to get. And most nights, like, he's not going to take those dumb shots. Like, that. can you remember any other shot attempt from him in that game? Uh, there was, like, a heave, but no, otherwise, no. Yes, because usually he doesn't take any shots on offense that aren't dunks or just, yeah. like, layup attempts, easy shots, bunnies. Because he knows that's not who he is on the court. Like, unless it's a game where he's like the starting point guard and goes off. But yeah. uh, that, that's, a, that's a weird game. Shouts to Iron Man Tim Frazier. Um, but Nasus, you, you know what you're going to get. Like, I trust that. I trust that when he comes into the game, he's going to make an impact. I don't with Dante. I mean, I, I, I just can't trust him. I, th- I think it's great that he does usually play within himself to that extent. I can't trust someone, and again, I'm thinking big game for this, I can't trust someone if the ball gets to them in the corner and you just kind of groan, right? Like, that's where I lose trust. See, the thing thing is, if he gets the ball in the corner, he is immediately going downhill, though. He doesn't even think about that. Yeah, sure, but there's probably someone down there. I I want a three from there. That's the thing. Like, I just, he's he's an offense gummer when he's out there. So do you want want Thanasis going down in the lane, or do you want Dante shooting a three? I want one of the nine players in my role player. I'm trying to to differentiate between Thanasis and Dante for you. What would you rather have in that situation? I want Dante shooting the three. You don't know what you're going to get? I I know I don't, but... Thanasis could poster someone. Dante could miss the entire court. We've seen some Thanasis misses and putting the ball on the ground as well. There's every every five games, he goes to, like, very lightly, like, float a pass to someone, and it's just randomly not going to the right person. Fair, fair. He's at the bottom of this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just, it depends. I, I think this is, it's a subjective how we're looking at what the tiers actually mean. I agree yeah. with you. I think you know what you get with analysis. There's more trust there. But I just don't trust him to be yeah, role see, player quality on on offense. And the next tier specifically is trust to be a role player. Okay. You could talk me into moving him down. Yeah. I, I just I look at him as an 82-game guy right now. Get that corner three down, and we can bump you right up next to Pat Connaughton, who is last in this tier for me of trust to be a role player. Okay. Tell me why. He's just he's solid. He's rock solid. That's the Pat Connaughton experience. He's a good, def- okay defender. I'll say okay. He's been getting blown by a fair bit recently, I think. I'm, I'm a little lower on his defense than a lot of – I think I embolden people too much on Pat Connaughton. But okay defender, pretty good catch-and-shoot player, good dunker spot guy, good cutter. He's not really great at anything. The shot, probably the closest, and the athleticism. But he's just solid. He's very solid. It's again, you mostly know what you're going to get. He's cut down on the jumping over people's heads, but he still does it occasionally. The shot is off and on, but that's just like low three-point attempt variance and really all three-point attempt variance. So, you know, I think he is going – he's the definition of a role player for me. Like he's just going to exist and do the things that he that he does and, and that's it. And it shouldn't be that impactful either way. Like if he hits shots, that should be great. But you shouldn't like be relying on Pat to hit two of his three threes every night. That's a you got bigger problems. But yeah, I don't know. He's just he's he's just a role player. He's exactly who he's what I think of when I think of an NBA role player this season. It's Pat Connaughton. Would you want him on the court potentially at the end of a game? At the end of a close game? No. No? No. Why not? Because I've seen him get picked on lately. Teams are getting bigs onto him very purposefully. 
and he's not offering as much resistance as I would have hoped. And the offensive upside does not justify that to me. He's a really good rebound. I didn't mention that. But I don't think he makes a positive enough difference on either end to be out there in closing groups. See, the thing is, I think he has the potential to be a difference maker, a real difference maker on this team. And going through this tier, he stands out, which is why he's not in this tier for me. Wow, we have way different tiers. This is going to be fun. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcast. Us. Uh, let's, let's get, let, we'll circle back to Pat. Next on my role player tier is Jeff T. Yes. He's Anthony. on mine as well. Yes. Uh, we may or may not have forgotten about him, uh, <laughs> when we were making these tiers, but that does say that he's not just a net negative when he's on the court. Cause we'd remember him if he was actually seeing playing time, well, which is which is something that's up for debate. He did not play in that second game against Philly. Then he did play against the Hawks. Now he didn't play again against Charlotte. We're not entirely sure what's going on here. I don't think there's been any reporting on an injury. There hasn't been an injury listed on the official report. There's just been games where he plays, games where he hasn't played. Who knows? It could be an every other night thing. He is getting up there in age. I just, I am not sure. I'm not sure why he's not playing. We have no answers for you. I'm sorry. Yes. When he has seen the court this season, he has played well. He has been a serviceable stopgap in the minutes without Drew Holiday. We've talked previously on an episode where you were going in on how Drew, uh, excuse me, Jeff Teague should just be uh, 48 minutes minus Drew Holiday, and that should be his playing time, which I, I do agree with now. It's just like it's it's fine. Like he he's a good backup point guard. He does what he needs to do on the court. He, he can actually attack some defenses still. He could still dunk. We know that. He he's fine. He's a good role player. I think he more than Pat. I think he is the definition of a role player. I think he might have more upside than Pat. Potential? Ah, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how much upside either of them have. But I, I mean, I I agree. I my thoughts on Teague have not changed. I'd like to see him play more if he's. Healthy, which again, we have no reason to believe he's not based on injury reports. But yeah, he's a role player. <laughs> That's it, right? Like, you want him on the floor when the starter at his position is not on the floor. Again, kind of the definition of a, maybe a little low end. And I think he could, he could offer a little bit more than that. But I think at a minimum, that should be his minute. So yeah, Jeff Teague, role player. I think his greatest attribute. And I feel I'm taking a victory lap here because I did call this one. 
Everyone was like the shooting, the shooting, the shooting. I don't think he's not going to shoot 44%, but look at the playmaking. He's been a big assist guy per 36 everywhere in his career except Boston. And Boston is, you know, a morass of forwards who probably can't wait to get out of Boston. So that's that's been the differentiator for me. He's able to get into the lane, find open shooters and cutters and everything else and, and playmake. And I think it's been big. That's been really important when Drew's not out there. So hopefully he plays. I was going to say more. Hopefully he just plays going forward. But just yeah. in general. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he sees the court. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll see in their next game against Houston. Then we can start to maybe sound the alarm bells. Um, I'll, get, I'll keep going on my list here in this role player minutes. And I'm rounding out the list by just doing front court by committee. That's what I'm doing here. P.J. Tucker, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis. Oh, I only have one of those players on mine. Okay. Who? Brooke. We'll talk about that. Brooke. Oh. Brooke okay. is the only one on mine on role player. Okay. Why is he a role player, but uh, Portis and PJ are not? So I'll just cover the Brooke part of it for now. I think he's the most situational player out of the group. I think there. I think he can get played off of the floor, kind of exploited in a can, way that can he we haven't yes. really seen him explicitly get played off the floor the sun realistic the sun's game he fair got enough. eviscerated in pick and okay, roll fair coverage enough. fair enough yeah and every time he closes out to the corner that's sort of him being played off the floor for me i just like the foot speed is like losing half a step for him was really tough and i think he's still finding ways to contribute i mean he was amazing in the hornets game like if he's down low against little guys he's probably still going to mask them there's still utility again not saying he's a bad player, but if you ask me right now, do I trust Brooke Lopez on the floor closing out a game against any opponent in the playoffs? Do I just trust him across the board? I would say no. I trust him situationally against certain matchups, especially Philly, but even some other matchups. I think you could make the case like, you know, I I can't think of one if – Atlanta is playing Capella, maybe, although the pick and rolls would be an issue there. But I digress. You know, there are some matchups I do trust him in, but not all of them. And that, to me, is a role player. I'm more worried about his role. I think he needs to play a specific role. That's why, for me, Brooke Lopez is on the role player tier. I think Portis and Tucker are a little bit harder to purposefully exploit strategically. So I bumped them up. I'm, I'm, it's, it's risky. It's risky. But I bumped them both up. I only have one player left on the role player tier. Okay. So if the entire point of getting P.J. Tucker uh, to go along with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis is, you know, situational versatility, how are those three not all in the same tier? Because you can't play play P.J. Tucker off the floor. There's no bad matchup for P.J. Tucker. Okay, fair. But... Do you really trust him playing X amount, like a large amount of minutes? Because we haven't seen that. I trust him last playing. Time we, last time we saw him playing large amounts of minutes, he was gassed and missing every single three possible. In that's the, why I called it the start play starter minutes slash close games tier. Okay, sure. Uh, I think I think you can get him up to close to thirty. But for me, it's like when is he playing is more important than. How many minutes is he playing? Exactly. When he's playing. That's the same thing you were talking about with Brooke Lopez. No, but it's not, not. It's not about who he's playing against. I'm, I'm talking about the end of games. The important okay. minutes is when I want P.J. Tucker playing. That's what I mean by that. It's No, like here's the thing. This is all trying to say situation 
matters. That's why all three of these players are in the same tier for me because it depends on mashup. You can't really like if there's a team that's going super small, you like you run into the same problems with Bobby Portis that you do with Brook Lopez to some extent. Yeah, you do to some extent. That you do to some extent mm, because they still have their same defensive lapses. Portis is not on PJ Tucker's level of defense. No. He, if anyone is going to move up in that tier for me, it's PJ Tucker and not Bobby Portis. Uh, Bobby Portis again is more suited to be in a condensed role where he can go and get his own shots. I don't because, know if I believe it anymore. Really? Because I don't know if here's I the thing: we see we see Bobby Portis when he's out there on the court hunting for his own shots. And while he does play within himself and play within the context of the team, while he's out there with some, you know, actual starters, it's not on a consistent basis. We've seen him get post-ups or call for the ball in, uh, sort of in the elbow when he's, you know, when he's getting the ball from Chris and Giannis. Like that's, that's more of a role where I would want him in a role player role where he's sort of going and getting buckets off the bench. Bobby Buckets, he's thriving in that role. Which is why I have him in there with Brooke and with PJ. Because you can't play PJ starter minutes and have him out there the entire time. That's just not going to work. Same thing with Brooke Lopez. Same thing with Bobby Portis. It is a front court by committee minus Giannis. Here's the thing. In April, the the most recent spell of Bucks, I think we're starting to agree they're getting a little bit better at figuring out the switching and everything. Bucks defense, For sure, the Charlotte game was a prime example of that. Yes. They came out of the gates switching, which was beautiful to see. Bucks defense has been better with Portis on than off in April across 14 games. I'm not sure if that counts Charlotte or not, but they're allowing 107.5 points per 100 possessions with him on the floor and 108 points per 108.5 points. So about one point per 100 better, which is not a lot. But if I had told you that a full month ish of Bucks basketball had gone by and they were better defensively with Portis on than off. I feel like you'd probably be a little surprised by that. That was the number one concern coming in. And at least recently, since they've gotten better at switching, it's not like they're playing great defense and then Portis comes in there and terrible. Their offense not, is no, also- no, not not saying that at all. I'm not saying that he is like a just a black hole on defense or anything. I'm saying you can lump him in, in the same category with Brooke Lopez in that regard. I don't, Even who, can you, who can you not switch against? Like, do you do you really want him guarding? Like, a, let's let's go back to the Atlanta situation. Do you really want him switching onto Trey Young? Probably more than I want Lopez doing that. What happened to Lopez being deceptively long and being working well on switches? It only works until someone goes past him. Yeah, and then you've got Giannis there at the back line, giving up a wide open three. Okay, that's going to happen with Portis, too. Great offensive players are going to take advantage of either Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis. I think, personally... That's, that's the thing, though. That's why they're in the same category for me. I think Lopez is more situational than Portis at this point. Okay, fair enough. I don't think any team is going... At least we haven't really seen it. Is in, in, When they play drop, this did happen, because Portis and drop is just an abject disaster that should never happen. But... Um, and also, we we did gush about the scram switches to help move around pieces on the back end, and Portis being switchable was a big part of that working. So the Bucks are figuring things out with this switchy Portis out there lineups. I think PJ can be out there for literally anything; like he can always just live. Yeah, PJ I don't know. Might I be guess started minutes for me now. Mm-hmm. PJ might have moved up. Yeah, I me. think PJ should. I, it depends. I mean, if 
if it means like he has to be able to play 35 minutes, then I don't know if he's ready for that yet. I'm hoping he gets there. I think he'll get there. I think they're just they're igadaling him now, right? That's the role. That's they're they're just like we're not going to tire you in the regular season. Just be like hit some do some cardio during the first round and be ready after that. PJ, I think is what's happening, but. I don't know if it's misguided or what. Portis has just won me over. And I think part of it, honestly, is probably I just want to see him get an opportunity to do these things more because he's deserved it. I think we can agree on that. We've just seen too much consistent good play that I'm at the point now where it's like maybe a Nets game. Let's let Portis play 30 minutes and close a game against the Nets. I mean, maybe not a great example. They might just have Kyrie for the game. But I actually think KD's back now, but you never know with them. KD is back, so the front court for Brooklyn is still intact. Yeah. Let let Portis close a game against the Nets and play 30-ish minutes and see how it goes. Like, just he deserves the opportunity. So maybe that's why I have him in the tier as much as anything. I still feel like I'm – Taking a big risk, trusting him that much, but he's he's won me over. That's just where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not saying I don't trust Bobby Portis. Like, I, let me get that clear. I'm saying yeah. I trust some players more. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, do you have anyone else in the role players here? Uh no, I've I'm I've exhausted my Hilarious. list. Hilarious. I have Forbes there. I know <laughs> you're you're stunned. What? You're stunned. <laughs> You're absolutely stunned. What did we just do on Sunday time? I, I, I listen. I said no, no, no. I actually don't think I was. I'm that inconsistent. Because I said either he could start or Dante could start, but there needs to, it needs to be more of a platoon. I would argue if okay, you had a fair. platoon starter situation, they're all role players. Because if one of them wasn't, there wouldn't be a platoon. So I still think he deserves a shot to start in more minutes with that group, but. It's the same idea as Brook Lopez, right? Like, this is a guy who can be defensively exploited. And he holds up fine in normal games, but teams can hunt him out, and there's only so much he can do. It's not really on him. It's genetics. Blame genetics for that, like, or fate, or whatever you want to do. However, you're. Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, regardless of that, um, but it, it's one of those where I just think I really weighed in, in doing this, like, both how much do I trust them and just like I in part of how I weighed how that I trusted them, I really thought about how much can other teams do about them specifically, especially defensively. Um and I think Forbes, I'm just a little too worried about that way. And I mean I shared a stat during the game today on Twitter that, you know, Lopez passes less than anyone else on the team. Like he assists on fewer percentage of Bucks makes while on the floor than anybody else. 3.4%. Forbes is 4.3%. So it's not not a huge I do think I do think that's context. There's context to that, though. A lot of times, Brooke is getting the ball when he has inside position or he's taking a trail three. Given you do have those possessions where he gets the do- ball down on the block and he's just like, okay, well, this is my shot now. I, uh, I don't think anybody who watches the games is going to say that's a – that's where stats and eye tests do not disagree on either of those I, statistics. Like I, I know, will I say also, also, like Bryn Forbes, he also catches a lot where he has opportunities to drive and kick. Brooke Lopez does not really get those opportunities as much. So there is some context. Yeah, and I mean, Forbes was nailing his two-pointers today. Like, Oh, for sure. It's sure. not a bad shot for him. He's pretty good driving, too. He's just the, an elite shooter. I need to share the, the drive stat. With him, did you see this stat with him and Dante and drives? Share it again for the people. I'm I'm finding it right now. 
Um, so I'm going to keep talking about Forbes here. So yeah, I have Forbes in my starter uh, tier because I'm backing up what I said on Sunday when I said he should start. And <laughs> so I'm going to put him in the starters tier. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think the upside is there for sure. And I just think you just know what he's going to bring, um, even if the shooting is on and off. That's That's one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately. I, I see a lot of grousing about missing threes. I'm like, I get it. It's not good. And we will downstock someone if they're like 0 for 10 from deep. But if they're a reasonably good shooter, they're just going to have days where they don't miss threes. And I think it's kind of ridiculous to to hold every single one against a guy in terms of a conversation like this. I, again, upstock or downstock is literally just a performance in one game. So if you have a bad shooting game, it's going to reflect. But we're not like thinking of Bryn Forbes differently. At least I'm not. If he's 0 for 5, one game from D, that's just how variance works. Yeah, for sure. Like, if he's taking the same shots that he takes in other games where he's proven to be an absolute knockdown shooter, he just misses some. Like, what's the saying? It's not like Michael Jordan made every shot, right? Yeah. It's you, you just you miss shots. That's what happens when you play NBA basketball or just basketball in general. If you don't miss shots, maybe you should be playing NBA basketball or maybe you're just overhyping yourself. Uh, that got deep. Deep, bro. Add it again. But Bryn Forbes for me made it into that upper tier starter minutes because have we ever seen him just sort of play a game that's not his own? realistically in any given game you know what you're getting from Bryn Forbes you will run sets for him he will get open shots he will make open shots on a consistent basis if he does feel the defenders hanging on to him like I mentioned earlier he will drive and he will make the right pass when it comes when it comes to be and you know he'll he'll just stop on a dime and knock down like a 20 footer like he, yeah. he'll do those sort of things like I trust when I when I see the ball go into Bryn Forbes' hands I feel good about that I really do, which is like part of part of the reasoning of me making these sort of tears, part of the rationale, I should say, was like when I watch the games, do I feel good when this player has the ball? And for Bryn Forbes, yeah, he does. Like I'd, I'd feel that with Bryn. I feel the exact same way about Bryn, and I also feel that way about Bobby Portis, and I believe in Portis more defensively, which is the reasoning for why I have each player in each position. Quickly, you touched on Forbes' driving. Just a wild stat. I was conversing with Ahmed Ali, who we disagree on this, which is fine. I think there's a misconception. Disagreement is fine, everyone. Just be civil. That's all it takes. Just yes. let's have a conversation. I don't think I'm right about everything, especially this Forbes thing. I got a lot of pushback, and I was like, you know what? Good. I don't want everyone who's engaging with me to be like 100% correct. That's it. Like, no, like, call me if you disagree, or I'm wrong, especially if I'm wrong about something. But that this was a good conversation. And I totally get people that think Dante should be the starter. I absolutely understand that perspective. We just don't trust him. But Dante has driven to the basket 247 times this season and scored a grand total of 75 points on those drives. I will say this does not include assists. This is only scores uh, by him. But bottom 10 of all NBA players in percentage of drives that end in a score, 30.4%. And he passes a lot of the drives. He has a relatively good assist percentage, but he's just not a threat to score out of those drives. Meanwhile, Bryn Forbes has driven 96 times and scored 67 points. So in roughly 100, uh, almost exactly 150 less drives, Bryn Forbes has scored eight less points. So 
He can put the ball on the ground and get to the hoop and, and hit a floater or something. He's very capable of doing that. Yeah, again, this is you playing into why I trust Bryn Forbes more than I think uh, I do in terms of, like, a Jeff Teague. Like, the, these tiers are weird. I'll say that. Like, I, it's tough for me putting Bryn Forbes above a guy like Bobby Portis, right? Like, that, it doesn't feel right to me. I am doing it, and I'm justifying it because I do feel like it's more situational in terms of the front court rotation rather than the guard rotation, mainly because there's more options in the front court for this Bucks team rather than the back court. Uh, so Bryn Forbes is a better option there in terms of like it, the current starter is in our don't trust at all tier. <laughs> like I trust Bryn Forbes a lot. Maybe it's just by comparison, but I trust him a lot. I was going to say, I was, it's not exactly the question, Rohan. Yes, exactly I, I'm, I'm realizing I might be a bit biased in this situation because I'm viewing it through Dante colored glasses, <laughs> but I just, I trust Bryn Forbes a lot and I'm trying to isolate what he does on the court, right? Like I'm yeah. trying to put that into perspective with what, like not including what Dante does. But Bryn Forbes, he like he's completely won me over this season. At the, when he signed at the beginning of the season, in the first couple games, I was like, okay, this guy is just a straight gunner. Like he is a straight gunner. But throughout the season, he has gotten so much better. He has not been picked on as much defensively as some people would like to believe. I'm not calling you up, no. but I like a lot of people like to think that Bryn Forbes is like a net negative on the court defensively, and that's just not true. You're just telling on yourself at that point. He is definitely not the negative he was in San Antonio on defense. Who knows? Maybe we'll see that in a playoff situation. We have not seen it yet, though, to that extent. So he has completely won me over. I trust him on defense as much as he can do. I trust him on the offensive end. I trust him to be out there at the end of games, which is why he's in my starters tier. I just don't know how you can have Bryn over Bobby. I just think I think you're factoring in real life minutes thing in a way that you probably don't have to for this. Realistically, I probably don't have to. Realistically, those two should probably be closer. But I do think that Bobby Portis, like, it's it's tough. It's really tough. There's not too much differentiating these two players for me. Just one's in one category and one's in the other. <laughs> like, I mean, it's true for me, too. We just have them flip-flop, which is fun. Yeah, so, like, again, Bobby's in this category mainly because of who's around him in terms of, uh, like, other front court pieces like Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker. Like, who, Bryn Forbes is competing with Dante. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. He should be in the starters minutes tier for me. Like, easily. Which is why, like, if I'm lump- if I'm putting Portis and Brooke together, they're both going to be in the role player thing because they're both not going to be in the starters tier. I suppose. We haven't won each other over. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. Which it's is, right again, disagreement is fine. Yeah. I agree. But we do agree. That P.J. Tucker is now in the starters tier. I've yeah. moved him. We're together on that. Yes. So we talked about this a bit earlier. Like, P.J. Tucker, you know, he like this, this Charlotte game was really interesting for me because we're starting to see him more in closing lineups and seeing him more in the end of games. Again, you said they're treating him sort of like Andre Godala. They're not really tiring him out during the season, during the regular season, I should say. But, man, man, does he have an impact. He is he's old at this point, and he's still out there making insane hustle plays against the Charlotte Hornets on a Tuesday in April. What a like, what a sentence! My goodness, my yeah. goodness! 
Like he he has earned this starter chair. I I apologize, PJ Tucker, for putting you in the role player role when I first made these. I have reconsidered. He is in the starters tier. He just makes an impact defensively, and yeah. you know he's hitting his corner threes now. He's on a bit of a hot streak, Ty. We love to see it. Yeah, and it's just like that possession where he switched onto was it Devonte Graham that he switched onto? So he just kind of took the ball or a different one. It was later in the game where he just forced a shot clock violation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just absolutely beautiful. Like, Portis and Brooke aren't doing that. No, I agree. They're not. Which is, yeah. So, P.J. Tucker, starter minutes with Bryn Forbes. I only have two players in this category. Do we have the same other player? What? Do we both? No, I, are we both? Wait, who's your other? Oh, you have Forbes. Oh, no. Yeah, I've... I'll, I have three players in this tier. Well, yeah, I have I have three players too. I'm miscounted. Oh, I have Portis, Tucker, and I put Chris Middleton in this tier. Woo. I know, Woo. I know. It's this is the I think this and the Dante are going to be the ones. But at least okay. Can I go? Can I go first before we get into the big boy discussion? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who do you have here? Pat Connison. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> what a juxtaposition of players. <laughs> so, yeah, I have Pat Connison, P.J. Tucker, and Brent Forbes in this category. And I so have I Chris, P.J., and Portis. <laughs> this is fun. We rarely disagree like this. Yeah. Uh, Pat Connison in this tier, I don't know. He's just, again, he's an impact player in my eyes. He can switch defensively. You can move him, slide him up. He can slide him down. He plays whatever role you really need him to. He's malleable. He does make his mistakes. He is jumping less, though. Like, I think all of that power is transferred to Dante. In that Hawks game, did you notice Dante jumped at two defenders on the same possession, like, consecutively? Like, he landed from the first jump and then jumped to another guy? Like, like I think he transferred the powers. <laughs> so, like, that, he's, gotten, he's gotten better at that. The issue, I don't I just trust him. The issue with sliding Pat up or down is you're going to slide him down, he's going to get roasted by somebody, you're going to slide him up and he's going to get bullied and, and then roasted by somebody. I just I don't trust him enough defensively. I think he's okay. Okay for me is not without some remarkable upside on on the other end. It's just not enough for me to say put him in the starter tier. He's comfortably in the also, role player tier. We've also seen him in a playoff situation be an absolute impact player. Was it against which Boston? Is yes. Doesn't count. <laughs> Why Come doesn't on. It count? Well, that's, that's what do you a bad mean? thing. That's so unique. It, it's a playoff setting where we saw him absolutely be elite. So is, would you put Thon Maker in this tier? No. We have similar evidence. Actually, actually. Yeah, you would. I might. <laughs> apologist in the house. I might. <laughs> Good thing I don't have to make that decision because he's not on the team for now. Not yet. Not yet. Free agent, <laughs> I believe. Um, he yeah, really? so Wasn't uh-huh. he on the Cavs? Did they cut him? Oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, man. He posted a picture of like him at like a camp somewhere. I, I don't think he – who knows? So I have Chris Middleton on this tier that you have Pat counted in on, which is just absolutely hysterical. So there's no easy way to put this, but – Kind of in the same way that I rewarded Portis for just such a great, consistent year, I think I also dinged Middleton for what's just been a wholly inconsistent year. I think this has just been, you know, that's always been the, at least the level-headed criticism of Chris, right, is that he's just not consistent enough. I just feel like 
just kind of taking it to a new level this year. And I realize the season-long stats are still great. And even for, like, each individual month or whatever stretch you want to go for, the stats are really good. I totally get that. That's fine. I watch every game. There's just too many where he's just not there enough. And he's not the greatest ball handler. The pass in against the Warriors was what it was. I, I totally realize He's had some insane clutch shots against the, especially the, the Celtics. Everything's against the Celtics. But this is not, and I think we made this clear up top, or maybe it was before the call. This is not the trust, or the top tier is not trust to take a shot at the end of the game. It's to handle the ball at the end of the game. I want Chris taking a bunch of shots to end the game. I just don't want him creating them himself unless it's his, like, standard, you know, post up a little guy, and that that's fine. Although we've seen some turnovers out of the post from him in recent games too. I, it's a combination of just his handle and overall in the season just not being consistently impactful enough. So I dinged him to the absolute top tier of the starters slash closing minutes. I want him on the game. I want him on the floor in every close game. I want him taking shots. I just don't want him – initiating offense. I, I don't want the ball in his hands to start possessions unless it's like pass into him and he is dribbling once or twice and shooting. It's just, I just look at his role differently now. I guess for like a comp, like this would be where I'd put Clay Thompson on the Warriors, right? Like I would want Steph and KD initiating the offense. I would want Clay Thompson finishing plays. That's the way I look at Chris now. So I knocked him down a tier. See, I don't, Wholly disagree with you. I really don't. He was last of the three remaining players on my top tier, but he is in my top tier <laughs> because just he's shown time. Like you mentioned this time and time again, he's shown that he is an absolute clutch shooter. Like I, I think, it, uh, yeah, I, oh, I do have the numbers. Uh, in fourth quarters, he's averaging around 28 points per 100 possessions. <laughs> in fourth quarters, we'll putting up like, over six assists and like eight rebounds like he he makes good decisions like he can make good decisions and has shown that he will make good decisions when the games really matter and that's like I'm taking it a step above what you really categorized him as which is like Clay Thompson is not a knock whatsoever I recognize that I think he can do a little bit more in terms of actual offensive creation. I agree. Not that I'm, I agree. Not that I'm saying that he should necessarily be doing all of the initiation but I do think he can do stuff like that's what separates like the Pat Bryn Forbes PJ Tucker tier for me because I'm putting those guys at sort of oh they can finish plays at the end of the game Chris is a step above that for sure for me which is why I put him in this top tier because I do think he can like he can be an initiator I think he can be in these situations like I I don't want to wholly just you know categorize him as just like a catch and shoot guy a finisher like I I do think he can be a creator here's the thing. Last year, everything all the same. With Basically, if Drew wasn't around, I would put him in the top tier. Cause I, th- I'd pro- I mean, I guess it's trust. So I'm doing the same thing you did with Dante and Bryn. But I'd probably put him closer there just because there were no other options. And I think as much as, I mean, our, it's pretty obvious that, you know, our last tier for you is the big three. For me, it's the other two. But – it's a zero-sum game, basketball. Like, possessions, like, you can't – well, Thanasis can generate more. But you only get so many looks at the end of a close And you game. don't trust him at all, Ty. 
You only get so many looks. So, you know, I agree with you that Chris is has a more versatile offensive game than than Clay Thompson does. But where I disagree is like just because he can do something doesn't mean he should when it's the end of a close game and it's these are possessions that could be Drew and Giannis on the ball instead. And that's what I mean. Is this just, is this not what you were talking to me about with uh Bryn and Dante though? Like, isolate just Chris on his own. Don't take it in terms of context of Giannis and Drew being on the court there as well. Do you trust Chris Middleton when, like, with the ball in his hands at the end of a game, regardless of who's on the court? I feel a little queasy about it. But do you, would you would you be okay with it? Would you be I'll, able to sleep at night knowing, like, that's it's probably all right? I did, but now I know it. But the, but it's just your your world changes when you get more evidence. We Fair. see Drew doing it now, and it feels different, even though they still have blown so many clutch games. And it's a more nuanced conversation than just like Drew is always awesome and Chris is. Uh, you know, this is again. I'm going to be termed a Chris hater for this. I'm sure I'm ready for it. It's fine, but like we've just seen a different level now, and there's a, there's another level out there too, right? Like there's still another level. Above Drew, it'd be awesome if Dame was around, and there'd be a whole other Paul. thing. Chris Paul, it, which could have been a thing, but Chris, wait, wait, quick, quick thing, five seconds to answer. Chris yeah. Paul or Dame to end the game. Dame, Chris Paul. Why? I, I, I don't. How many, know. how many epic series winning shots does Dame have? How many series wins does Chris Paul have when he's not on the Rockets? Do you remember the, the Clippers game? Uh, where uh, Clippers v Spurs over Duncan? Yes, I remember. Well, that he shot. had like a torn hamstring. Okay, cool. If I, I don't know, it was against like 10 Utah years ago. as well, huh? Against Utah as well, like Chris Paul has filleted the Bucks enough for me. Yeah. Also, I loved it. I realized what I just did. I'm gonna stop talking. I'm going with Dame, but regardless, um, I think, think I just think there's levels to this, and I I agree. Chris is a, a playmaker. He averages a lot of assists. He moves the ball well. But for me, it's just knowing what I know now about the levels of this thing, just seeing another initiator who I just think is better operate within this offense with Giannis. I just I bumped Chris down one. It's probably a mistake. You know, if we'd spent five more minutes talking about it, you could probably get him up on the starters tier. But I think we're pretty close because for me, he's the absolute tippy top of the last tier. For you, he's on the tail end of the tier before. So we don't disagree that much. This feels a little bit more like semantics than anything. It really, yeah, it really is. It's sort of like these categorizations are obviously just arbitrary, but yeah, <laughs> like, of course, we we do have a similar order for that. Yes. Who's do you are you ordering yours? Yeah. I mean, yeah, mostly. you obviously are. So who's next? Giannis. Yep. Giannis is next, and this is again, this is a, one of those complicated, nuanced conversations. Drew Holiday is not better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. But not, a, not even in the slightest, let's be clear on that. <laughs> yes, it's not. He's just not. It's that simple. He's not better. But he is better equipped to end a last possession of a ball game. I don't know. It's baseball season now. I'm saying ball game. It's got some cracker jack over here. But um, I'd rather Drew end the ball, end the game, the last possession started at least, with the ball in Drew's hands. I want him to initiate the offense. And we've talked about this idea before. So we don't have to entirely rehash it, although, of course, I want your thoughts. But for me, like, the ideal end of a Bucks game play is, like, I guess technically you could say this would be vice versa. But, like, either a Drew-Giannis pick-and-roll or a Giannis-Drew dribble handoff 
some action with those two with like Chris moving off ball and then like shooters in the corner or something like that's, I think that is just the most fully optimized offense. And it's going to be seen as a slight to Chris. I get it. It's not saying Chris should never handle the ball. Not saying Chris is a bad player. I just think I'd rather have Drew Rianis having it. And just because he's a better dribbler and less draws, less charges and turns the ball over less when driving and is a much better shooter from, every area except right around the rim. I want Drew with the ball a little bit more, setting up the other two players to be in more optimal positions. Fair, fair. Like, I I, I agree with you in this regard. I would have Giannis as a second to Drew in terms of these rankings. I would not have them separated by too much, though. No. Really. It's pretty like close. These, yeah, these two are very close. Honestly, these two probably could be a tier of their own, but I wanted to include Chris in there because I'm not a hater, Ty. I'm kidding. Uh, so now you're the guy who wants extra <laughs> tiers, and I'm not allowed to have I would have done the same thing. I wouldn't have put – I wouldn't have purposefully put Chris right next to P.J. Tucker. No offense, P.J. I would have had, but... had Thanasis out of his own super tier. <laughs> I think I would have put him, Portis, and Tucker in like a different galaxy. Not better or worse, just different. The grit guys. For sure. But uh getting back to this the Drew Giannis thing, like we it's it's been interesting to see over the season how these this sort of plays out. Because this this power struggle, I guess you could call it, even yeah. though it's not really a struggle, we've seen this play out. We have throughout the course of the season. We've seen Chris have his early run uh earlier in the season where he looked like an absolute supernova. Uh, and I was calling for him to start in the all-star game. I had, Paul takes, George. I had some takes, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those exist. Um, and then we saw, you know, Drew was out and Giannis took over because Chris tried to recreate the magic and really couldn't. So we saw Giannis go on like another MVP tear. And when Drew Holiday was out near the tier, tail end of that, after they got out of that losing streak. And then we saw Drew Holiday take over when he came back. And I feel like ever since the all-star break, they're sort of trying to figure out, okay, how do we navigate this? Who's yeah. really like, what's the one, two, three order? I do agree it should be Drew, Giannis, Chris, with like Drew and Giannis having primary actions with Chris, you know, sort of leading secondary actions. Like, I agree with you on that. And yeah. that's probably like the most optimized version of this Bucks offense late, late in games. We haven't really seen a whole lot of that, though. We've seen Chris sort of try to do things on his own. We've seen Drew try to do things on his own. We've seen Giannis try to do things on his own. And while all three of those things have worked to certain degrees, they haven't consistently worked. And I think it's just, it's more of like a, how do we fit these three together rather than which one of these three is doing the thing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I certainly agree. I think it's, it's, you know, it's like the old parable with the farmer and the sons where he breaks one stick but can't break like 20 sticks. I've never heard this in my life. The strength in numbers, Rohan. You can break one stick. You can't break like 20 sticks. I'll put it too strong. Unless but you're really, you break one stick, don't you get two sticks? Well, that's not, that's not the, well, this, your stick is broken. The stick is you in the analogy. So you're, you're broken. This would have been you if the Bucks had lost the game. Fair. Okay. But if you and your brothers were all together, you can't break. That's, but stop. It's, it's an Aesop table or something. Who cares? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and if you want to cite evidence, if you think Giannis is the number one, which I'm sure people do, which is fine. It's like, oh, look at the rampage. You do have evidence of that. Yeah. yeah, mostly regular season. But, yeah, like he's rampaging against teams. But we also have a sizable block of evidence that in the playoffs, the barrier goes up 
and it's just too hard for him. And I, you know, the the fadeaway shot is great. I need to see him make it, you know, ten times in a playoff game before I really a hundred percent trust. Looking that. nice though. It's looking, looking great. nice. It had some moments last year too, and then we kind of stopped seeing it for a while. So I need him to be. I need him to trust that for me to trust that. And I won't know if he trusts that until I see it a lot in a high leverage playoff game. But you can't barrier Drew, right? Like he can score from anywhere. If you play him too far up and like really try to take away his threes, he will drive past you and, and basically post up. Like he's one of the best post players the Bucks have ever had. Just he just posts littler guys. That's normally. Greg Monroe disrespect, Ty. I know it's Brook. I was gonna tweet it and I was like, ah, Lopez is still pretty damn good too. But um, <laughs> I just want I just love tweeting about Greg Monroe, but. Um, Holiday three level score, four level maybe, right? Like he'll step back to three, he'll shoot long mid rangers, he can shoot floaters, he can certainly score at the rim. And I just think that variety plus having just a better handle than either of the other two guys makes him a cut above in who I want actually directing the offense. That is what you need from a point guard. Thank goodness they brought him in, which we've seen before. The wall is there for Giannis. If teams switch that Chris Giannis pick or the barrier, excuse me, Rohan. Thank you. Um, if teams switch that Chris Giannis pick and roll, Chris was not able to capitalize quite enough. I think it's just a much harder to do these same things against the Bucks now that the third guy is there. And I do think it's important that the third guy is a ball handler like Drew Holiday. If it was another Chris level player, things might get similarly gummed up. I think that ball handling is an important distinction. I think that's why Drew is our number one. Yeah, and plus like Late in games, defenses are going to load up more on Giannis than they yes. usually do anyway, which allows Drew to have even more reign over the offense than usual. So it it even plays into that. Like the defense will play into that as well, which is probably for the Bucks' benefit. Like yes. I, I agree, like Drew running whatever he wants to, like not whatever he wants to, but whatever he thinks is best in terms of that situation – I think is the best course of action for the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis being, you know, hopefully involved in those actions. So like right there. Giannis is going right to be there. finishing a lot of those yes. plays. Like we're not saying Drew takes the final shot. No. We're saying Drew is creating the final atmosphere play. Drew opens the avenue for Giannis. That's a great way to put it. Play. That's the optimal play. That's just, you know, if you want to weigh this against Giannis when you consider him as a player or whatever, it's fine. Giannis's game still is at a point where he he needs a little assistance in in a playoff game because if you wall off the rim he's only got so many options and that's just it's just a fact it's just what it is you know it's, it's wild that Giannis is still raw yeah twenty seven is he twinety seven years old twenty six twenty seven in December yeah I think yeah um yeah it's they're still adding more to the bank I'm not like I've said up before the guys accomplished so much. I'm not going to say he won't be a 40% three-point shooter someday. Who knows? He could be the first 60% three-point shooter. I wouldn't put it past him. Never put anything past Giannis. But right now, right here, right now, I just I want the ball in Drew's hands. He's just proven a little bit more. I want him opening up those looks for Giannis. Giannis is number one best, number one most important, number one whatever else. Still trust Giannis with my life. I trust Drew with my whole family's lives. So we're going Drew Holiday, number one. For sure. I can't really disagree with you there, Ty. I can't really disagree. This is this has been a good exercise. This this is fun. I think we're gonna have to start doing this annually toward the end of the year. Because we need to know the team. If we do this early, we'd probably have Portis and Forbes super low and God, who knows where Dante would have been. This is a great like 
stretch yeah. run dog what days before playoffs. It's it's important that the playoffs I think are in the foreground too. It kind of like we're always Plus, thinking like, about roster these changes. Like PJ Tucker wouldn't have been there. Yeah, it wasn't even here. So yeah, Jeff Teague wouldn't have been there. An annual tradition with ten ish games to go. We gotta we gotta rank which bucks we yeah, trust. How many games are left? I think this probably is eleven or twelve, maybe. That's wild. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm just trying to think. Who would? Uh, I'm just trying to do a quick thing. Bobby Portis would probably be in my uh, in my uh, don't trust at all. He so would either be it. at the top of that or at the bottom of role player. Because uh, I was high on him when they signed him, but I was still so worried about the defense. For sure, same. Like Brooke would have been in starter minutes for sure. Pat would have been don't trust. Yeah, he would have. Pat rehabbed him, rehabbed his image with us yeah. a lot, with our grading. He really, really did. Like uh, Dante would have been in starter minutes for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who who are the, the biggest risers would probably be Portis and, and Forbes and Conadin and the biggest yeah. fallers, Dante and, and Brooke, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Thanasis, honestly. He would, like, for – he's in the conversation for role player, which is a big step up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he would have coming into the year. He probably he would have been bottom of don't trust at all. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Number last. I I think I think that's super impressive. Honestly, like I think I have him. I think vaguely, he should get the most improved votes. He, this is the new West Matthews. He should get a he should get one vote, but he won't. That's the new the Nasus for most improved. But let's see. I have him as there's what seventeen players on the roster. Yep. I have him eleventh in trust. And coming into the year, yeah, he would have been like 15, 16th at, at best, at absolute best. Yeah. I can't Near the very 10. bottom. Yeah. And I, I am 10th now. He's in my role players here, and it's not even like sarcastically. No. <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's crazy. If he gets that yeah. corner, if he comes back next year, he's hitting 38% from the corners, we're going to have to have a real Thanasis conversation. I mean, hey, like – Look at the improvement he made this off season. Let's exactly. see what happens next off season. Let's go to the go to the PJ Tucker school of of everything, and you too can play another ten years. The Nasus. If PJ Tucker would teach me something, I would hope it would be the shoe game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just style in general. He's maybe having more of a cool factor increase on the box than any player ever has. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wearing the ski mask while driving his Ferrari in downtown Milwaukee when it's snowing in April. Like, need, that is that is top levels of coolness. I need the Bucks video, the Bucks org to be listening to this. Here's the video series I need. I just want more PJ experiencing Wisconsin. Maybe they're already working on this. If not, like, I know COVID makes it. it tough. I know COVID makes it tough. You know, bring him back. We can do more next year. But, like, give PJ Tucker a brat. Like I don't take PJ Tucker to a tailgate, like all the Wisconsin things. I want PJ Tucker doing all the Wisconsin stuff, experiencing it. It would be like a fleshed out version of the videos when they're like pronounce Waukesha. Like take that, but make it good, and that's what I want. With Shots to Jason Terry, man. <laughs> Waukesha, Waukesha? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one gets a lot of heard players too. <laughs> I mean, it, it is difficult, uh, yeah. but you know, gotta gotta respect the Native American culture. Of course. Uh, do we? Yes. Do we have anything else we need to touch on in this episode, Ty? No, I think we we filled out our circles of trust. Uh where would you put Bud? I know he's not a player. 
Role player. Yeah. Yeah, surprisingly. Would not put him in don't trust at all. Close, Yeah, but not there. He would have started the season there. Yes. Sure. He, he's moved up, too. I think that's fair to acknowledge. Yep, but he hasn't moved up uh, an exponential amount. No. But he has moved up. He has moved up. We'll give him credit. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. He is in the role player role for me, too. Okay. Now do we have anything left in this episode? No, that's it. Okay, perfect. This was Again, this was really interesting. Uh, I hope everyone listening did enjoy this as well. I know we did. Uh, and now I will say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You get fun enunciations like that from me nowadays. Um, if you did enjoy the show, you know, leave a rating if you're on Apple. Five-star reviews, create an account, cook the books, all the fun stuff. Make sure you check out all the great content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network and sub to them. Sub to us on your podcast platform of choice. Please stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.